Hey there! Are you tired of waiting for the next episode of It's Probably Not Aliens? Well, we've got some good news for you. On Nebula, our streaming service, you can get access to all our episodes a week early. That's right, you'll never have to wait again to hear Scott and I debunk the latest ancient astronaut theory or get a movie fact wrong. But that's not all. Nebula is home to dozens of content creators we know you like, so you can find all your favorites in one place. Plus, we post content on there that you won't find anywhere else. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and listen to the next episode right after this one. Hey everyone, normally we like to do a little bit of a cold open here, but uh, this one is going to have a little bit of some sensitive topics to talk about. So if you are sensitive to discussions of schizophrenia, then uh, just a little just a little warning. We'll talk about that later on in the show. Would you consider yourself a sweet person? I'm more of a savory person. Okay. I think. Interesting. So I will say I am also in that vein. I feel like people overloaded with sugar. I can't, I don't know. Like people who like breakfast and they're like, their idea of breakfast is all sugary things. It's just like. That is, we did get breakfast recently with one of our, with one of our friends and I had to, we had to decide if we wanted savory breakfast, eggs, toast, bacon, things like that versus do you want what is effectively dessert for breakfast? Do you want pancakes and French toast and waffles and all of that stuff? It's too much. Is this what you were, is this actually what you were referring to when you asked me if I was a sweet person? I mean, we could also go the other angle. Are you just like a person who likes to leave like little notes and like remember people's birthdays and you know, like it, it could be either one. But the big thing is that we're going to a town today that's literally called dulce which is the spanish word for sweet (gasps) amazing i used to get that is it actually pronounced dulce though because here's the thing i used to go to when i lived in texas there was a starbucks nearby and i would go there basically every day to write because i was like a cliche you know you Mm -hmm. bring your laptop into starbucks and you you write there your little beret I had a little beret as I do, and I would order some iced coffee, just some regular iced coffee with what they, what I thought was pronounced cinnamon dolce, but they would always correct me and say, yeah, we'll get you some cinnamon dulce. So now I feel like I'm, con- I'm all back to being confused because now I've been changed. I've changed to say dulce my entire life now, ever since those Starbucks baristas corrected me. And you're telling me that it's actually dulce? Uh, I thought it was, but let me, let me see if I can, because like normally like, see I now have I got you confused. Well now, yeah, now oh, that I'm no. like, cause we put so much authority on Starbucks people that immediately upon hearing a story, you're like, well, maybe they are right. Yeah. Uh, what's it called? Google saying it's dulce. Um, because I, I would oh try to say you were in Texas when you were doing that, right? And I imagine there's more people who know how to pronounce things correctly in Spanish there than uh, than I would have gotten. Potentially. But we'll say that well, makes sense, we though, did actually, this because else- uh, ch-, ch sound is like its own letter of the alphabet, kind of, in Spanish, mm. whereas ch is its own thing. So that kind of makes sense that it wouldn't just be like kind of added in. Well, I'm glad we did this or else we would have gotten a lot of emails from people saying that we're still going to get emails from people telling us the correct way to pronounce things. But either way. Yeah. You, Thank you, Starbucks people. Usually, I'm. See, look, I was like, I was hard on them a little bit. I was like, we put too much weight into what they say, but I think they were right. Mm-hmm. I think Starbucks, maybe Starbucks workers are good and should unionize. Also, just like a side, as a side note, just just so you know, just FYI, might be a thing you want to yeah. try out. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, usually I'm better at Spanish, but, uh, yeah, I messed that one up. Oh, well, I messed it up too, but I'm, we're here now. We've learned, we've grown as people in the last five minutes. Yeah. On that note. So what is this place? Who am, who are you? What am I? Who is, what is this life? What is this show? Why are we talking about things? Why are we talking? Why do we have microphones in front of us? Well, that's a great question. This is a podcast called it's probably not aliens Mm -hmm. and we haven't mentioned aliens yet. Well, we'll get to it, I imagine. Uh, We look at ancient astronaut theory in the show Ancient Aliens, and we debunk some of those conspiracy theories. We look into them while learning about the real life history of people and places and things and cultures and and 
it's it's a fun time and and we like it. We've been doing it for over a hundred episodes. It's good. It's good stuff. My name is Scott Nicewander. I'm the host that knows nothing. <laughs> I except for now, I know to trust Starbucks workers with my life. That is the that is the that is the thing that we have figured out. Yeah, if you work at Starbucks, you are you are the, you are always correct. I'm sorry, I doubted you. My name is Tristan Johnson. I do the uh, I typically pronounce Spanish words correctly, except when it is the word <laughs> dulce, which um which makes sense because the French word is douce. So there's that. Oh, we're going to douce a small town with big tails and even bigger taste because it's sweet. yeah it's 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 it's, it's so uh, it's a nice sweet place what makes this place so sweet what makes this place so sweet is the potential that according to ancient aliens that there are underground tunnels and caverns around the globe that could be have okay let's talk about ancient aliens the show that we have been responding Please. to for over two years now yes tell me about so them. ancient aliens is we are now in an episode called underground aliens which is all dedicated okay. to the theme of what if aliens but underground oh and there's various different places that they go to one of the places is dulce uh because millions of people around the world believe that dulce in new mexico is the site of an elaborate underground base that has alien activity and advanced technology and that it might be a base ah. for human extraterrestrial alliances where experiments on humans are conducted uh according to these claims there are multiple levels each with different disturbing purposes like genetic experiments or advanced propulsion systems and some assert that there have even been violent clashes between military the u.s military and extraterrestrials that have led to people dying this sounds just like a different area 51 yeah right what if area 51 again maybe this maybe area 51 is a decoy and this is the real one this is the real one this is the one no one's gonna tell you about yeah so dulce uh is this place is this underground military base the real deal where all of the alien stuff is going down well i gotta know now let's see if that holds up to scrutiny you guys know that the answer i mean it's this podcast because like i feel like i was trying to be like can we make a hook and then like every time i try to make a hook i always default in like do you think that this one is the real deal and you know you know it's not you know it's not <laughs> but what if we pretend for like a little bit that it could be yeah that that used to be my job and i got i've been slacking so you know what i believe this wholeheartedly all right so these are there's underground ton- this is the fresher area 51 the new one the gen z area 51 it's cooler <laughs> it's hipper sure it's been picked up uh it's it's a little chuggy actually getting its start in the 1980s uh so Ooh, um that's okay that's like that is i i okay there's this whole chuggy discourse. Is that it's even still a thing that well, people say? This is my suspicion. So there is this whole article that came out trying to say that the, the Zoomers make fun of the millennials by calling them chuggy, which is just a word that I don't, I've never, I've never heard anybody under the age of 50 say. Well, you've never heard anyone, sorry, you've never heard anyone under the age of yes. 50 say yeah. it? Huh. So, so, so I, my, my conspiracy theory is that millennials got so much hay out of like, you know, hating boomers because they fucked up the environment and ruined the economy and uh, ruined basically any attempt that we, that anybody younger than them have for a future. Tristan, I, I love you so much. Do you sometimes forget that we're recording a podcast when we start recording a podcast? A little bit. A little bit. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dulce, New Mexico. Hip, fresh. We love it. Yeah. It's an actual town, has a population just under 3,000 people, and it's predominantly populated by people who belong to the Hikaria Apache Nation. Okay. Near Dulce is the town of Lumberton, which was established around 1900 as part of a logging community and a church for St. Francis of Assisi was built sometime between 1900 and 1907. In 1946, Catholic services started showing up in Dulce, uh, leading to the construction of St. Anthony Chapel in the mid-1960s and was funded by the Catholic Extension Society grants. This is like the history of Dulce. Uh, Today, Dulce is a significant community for the Hikaria Apache people, which is comparable to, uh, if you want an example, for the Navajo Nation, Window Rock. It's a newer community that started developing in the 1960s. Residents were encouraged to settle there to allow for oil development in rural areas. Interesting, interesting. The town does have a mixed population, including Hikaria, uh, Apache's other tribal members, and also a few, also non-Native Americans. So we're deep in like native country in America. Gotcha. The Hikaria are a group of Eastern Apaches that came from, that are residing in New Mexico. They speak an Athabascan language. Uh, Hikaria comes from Mexican Spanish, meaning little basket, which refers to the small baskets they use as drinking vessels. And historically, they lived a semi-nomadic life 
lifestyle in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains in the plains of southern Colorado and northern New Mexico, hunting, gathering, facing, uh, and they face significant hardships in the 1800s and 1900s because of, can huh. you guess what, what might have caused their, uh, their issues in that time? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of things, but was this when there was like a very, a, a very specific president who was uh, in, in charge and, and made everyone a, a terrible little trail, a trail of... A bit too late for the Trail of Tears. This is, this is okay, like a little bit for that. Like a hundred year period, basically just um, as... American settlers started moving out west. Uh, they were displaced. They were broken treaties, and they also were exposed to disease. By 1887, they got a reservation, which was expanded in 1907 to support ranching and agriculture projects. Uh, but they're believed gotcha. to so displacement was a part. Yeah, of it, yeah, though. yeah, for sure. And the Hikaria Apaches are also believed to have migrated from Canada sometime in the 1500s. So that is like their their their, their land is bounded usually by the um, by four sacred rivers in northern New Mexico and southern Colorado. So this is this is just like a, a little a little uh, backdrop of to what this town is like. But 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 there is this claim that the the conspiracy is that there's an underground base beneath the. Archuleta Mesa exists, which is said to be jointly operated by extraterrestrials in the U.S. government. So this all comes from one guy. One guy. Yes. The, the idea of there being a base under Dulce, New Mexico, comes from a guy by the name- This is a theory of one single individual made up or discovered. discovered. Sorry, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm, on the, I'm on this side now. Yeah. They, this one, this, this adventurer, this brave soul discovered this and spread the word to the masses to, to tell us. Who was this person? A businessman from Albuquerque named Paul Benowitz. Paul Benowitz. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. American hero, Paul Benowitz. A native from Kansas and a person who had a bachelor's degree from Arizona State but had no formal training in electronics uh, did end up becoming a radio electronics engineer for the Coast Guard during World War II and worked as an- Well, he must have been good enough at it then. Yeah. No formal training, but definitely hands-on and worked as an engineer for several CBS stations. By 1953, he moved to New Mexico working in sales and later started his own industrial sales company called Thunder scientific in 1966 thunder so, scientific an autodidact who studied specifically uh like who who got into electronics because of world war ii basically all right uh, he became a member of something called the aerial phenomena research organization in the 1970s which you can just imagine what their interest is and specifically he got really into in the 1970s the topic of cattle mutilations in the late 1970s which actually was interesting uh, we've done an episode on before we've done a video or an episode and yes. this region around dulce is where a lot of these cattle mutilations were happening so we we're kind of in that area Oh, well, look at that. A nice, a nice uh, chaser to this episode if you want to re-listen to that one or listen to it for the first yeah. time. <laughs> Another, um, you know, episode to, uh, to, 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 to reconsider because it's also, um, that's one of our grosser ones because it's about mutilation. Anyways, so he took an interest in these cattle mutilations and this was basically his inroad into studying UFOs and he started to use his knowledge of electronics to study what he thought were unusual sightings or signals in the area. It led him to claim that there was the existence of an underground base near Dulce, which was supposedly involved in a 1979 conflict known as the Dulce War. And this idea spread to the UFO community uh, because of Benowitz's entrepreneurial spirit. All right. So starting in 1979, he's, he basically... The idea is that he thought that he was able to intercept communications between the military and UFOs, including an actual like fight or battle that happened between the two. Huh. And since then, he started believing that he was intercepting these communications. He gained attention through UFO researchers and even U.S. senators by 1983. His alleged communications with aliens and sightings were reported in the media, and his relationship with the government was also, because of the whole military background, was also uh, a big deal to people in the conspiracy UFO sphere because they're like, oh, like this guy has sure. actual military ties, and this guy knows his and stuff. He is intercepting. And we can alien trust stuff. him. Yeah, like he knows something because he was in the Coast Guard during World War II. Well, I mean, it's it's similar. It's it's like similar to sort of stuff that we're seeing right now with the with the hearings in the U.S. of of um you know people who with David Grush are in the, David Grush, yeah, where people are like, we we can trust him. He knows his stuff. He was there. He was in. The military. I mean, that guy actually was in the military and rather high up. This is a guy who was in the Coast Guard during World War II. Okay, you can't. 
You can't just say that. You're, I know you're Canadian, but like, I'm going to get so much slack now from people who, who okay. are like, but it's just the Coast okay, Guard, okay, right? Okay. Let me rephrase that to be a little bit more uh, to, to get my point across. He was like, the, David Grush was like a high up military official. If there were aliens, he would definitely be the guy who would know about him. This guy was in the Coast Guard. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you didn't re- you didn't rephrase anything well, he, like, the thing is, like, he wasn't again. like he wasn't like a top brass general so like if there was anything that was top secret he would not have been privy to that knowledge got okay all right that's fair and i apologize in advance to everyone <laughs> the military is a very hierarchical organization and david grush and yes. this guy are on different level we're on different levels of the military yes i think that is fair to say now in the 80s he was convinced that he had discovered this secret underground base and he thought it was populated specifically by gray aliens and humans always with the gray aliens always with the gray aliens and in 1988 he released a paper that he titled project beta which detailed how the supposed base might be attacked further cementing his legacy within conspiracy theory circles. So this is this is the guy who started everything. He wrote all of these like things and he really advocated in the UFO community that he was intercepting information or in- intercepting communication that showed that there were aliens at this base, that there was conflict at this base, yeah. and that there were definitely like the grays, everything very specific. And this yeah. caught on like wildfire. And now Dulce has become a legend in the UFO community. Another person who also helped bring it out was a guy named uh, John Lear, who was the son of the founder of Learjet, which I think is fun. Okay. And he also was a aviator and pilot for the CIA during Vietnam and became a influential uh, conspiracy theorist in the 1980s. In 87, Lear claimed that on Paranet that the US government had contacts with extraterrestrials and used popular films to frame them as benign, quote unquote, space brothers. He also described the secret government committee <laughs> Majestic 12, which I like could be its own video or own episode in and of itself episode of this what is paranet in the in the 90s is when like you know the world wide web came online where there was the internet as we know it today where everything was connected together in one big thing before yeah. the world wide web really took hold there were still things like the internet but they were not uh the way that you would think of them today like they were not uh all unified under one network it wasn't a world wide web yeah so like there were a lot of like random usenet groups or bbs's like like random forums and stuff like that but in order to contact them you had to know the number of the modem that you were hooking up to and people would just set them up themselves so you would have to use like phone lines to communicate but people who invested the money for servers to do that early adopters and such would take that on and they would uh they would watch it or they would uh they would be able to communicate it was very dangerous uh it was very it was interesting but also dangerous because this was also a thing that white supremacists used to uh to connect with each other but i also imagine Ah. people in the paranormal and stuff like that also got into it because this was a time when people who are really into computers were um you know into their niche interests right like you don't you, normal well-adjusted people, nerds no, yeah they were nerds they were nerds at that time yeah so this, that makes sense so just a bunch of nerds talking about ufo stuff potentially yeah on before 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 the world wide web yeah exactly majestic 12 if i remember correctly is another like uh well-known ufo conspiracy theory yeah it's 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 another one it's an entire other topic in and of itself we'll have to talk about that yeah at some point uh, subscribe <laughs> this is when oh, this is when we would be like subs- like and subscribe if you want to hear us do more of that yeah here's cover that topic Mm -hmm. uh so lear thought that so lear alleged that the government has been for the last 40 years covering up ufos including the recovery of flying saucers and government-sanctioned alien abductions. He claimed that human mutilations occurred and referred to the altercation at dulce base that led to the human casualties so Lear claims that there was this mix of existing conspiracy theories and integrated uh, Paul Benowitz's narrative into his work. And despite the, and despite like heavy criticism of Benowitz's uh, you know claims, it yeah. influenced UFO conspiracy discourse. So Lear was like a big shot in the UFO space, sure, and he latched on to Benowitz's uh, claims and integrated it into his greater claim that there was this long uh, government cover-up of UFOs starting with basically Roswell. Gotcha. So we're taking all, we're taking different ideas, we're merging them together. Precisely. Big, big, make one big idea. Yes, exactly. The other thing, too, that gave it a little bit more credence is that uh, this was during the Cold War, and in the area, there were underground missile installations. So there were some military-ish installation. No, there were some military installations. They were mostly yeah. missile silos, which are basically places where they just sit and uh, you know 
tend to a nuclear bomb in case they ever need to destroy the entire world. Um, yeah. To this day, that still happens. To this day, there's still like uh, these bases all over America, especially in like the big flat states where there's just these bases where um, two guys are, sit down in a room or girls or non-binaries. It's the military's inclusive sure. now, where they sit there waiting for orders from Washington to uh, blow up everything. And it's um, yes. it's so badly maintained. There's this whole thing about America's nuclear arsenal about how it's bad. Like how not only like not only are the missiles poorly maintained, like there's this whole book called Command and Control by Eric Slosser that like goes into like how there's been several incidents where like just like technical errors happened with the nuclear weapons. Like they use very outdated technology, kind of intentionally to prevent like yes. hacking and stuff like that. Hacking and stuff. But yeah. it also means that like there's times where like in shockingly modern days there's still like punch cards and stuff involved in the nuclear arsenal and sometimes that leads to bugs like one time there was a missile that fired its retro rockets while in the silo which is just like um oh not good because they're all basically like just like not rockets good. ready to shoot off to anywhere in the world right mm-hmm. so those those things happen all the time but also because like the job of being the person who babies one of these nuclear bombs is you could imagine um extremely boring <laughs> there's been a bit of a lapse in uh uh, diligence in these yeah there's been people there's been people who like fall asleep during it there's been people who like leave doors open and and like unlocked and things like that the most famous story was that there was a time where a pizza delivery guy showed up at one of these places and the door was unlocked and the people running the place were asleep pizza delivery guy could have caused some mayhem oh man if that guy is that guy just must have been like if i wanted to get into the history books i could do that right now i could do it yeah but these are all man-made atrocities and horrors beyond my comprehension what about the aliens true man you're the one keeping me on track today um so Mm -hmm. this is this is like the major thing about like the so anyways like the military wasn't there was there in that area as we know the american southwest has a lot of federal land a lot of military bases everything so it's not insane to think that there's going to be a military presence in this region Mm -hmm. but the extreme natures have also been described as fairly implausible like for example a uh political scientist by the name of michael barcoon has written on the concept of conspiracy theories including the lore surrounding the underground base in dulce or dulce and in the context he he studied the dulce story in the context of ufology suggesting that the cold wars the cold war underground installations in the area provided a plausibility to the rumors and made the legend attractive for those interested in ufos but the more outlandish claims such as experiments on abductees and firefights between them are what he described as and and i love this quote well outside even the most far-fetched reports of secret underground bases (laughs) he also not having any yeah he also reports uh, he also reported in his book that this built on the idea that there were cattle mutilations in the area, which checks out with the story that we went with. And yeah, uh, he began to report in the night and um, which, which started in the ni- mid 1970s and then sort of peaked with like, like as the, the cattle mutilations seem to like proceed the, the starting to claim that there's like a uh, secret basis there. Mm-hmm. So you can see the sort of through line of how people started buying into it and built the legend and given its yeah. credibility. And also, uh, Barkin notes that in noted that by the ni- early 1980s, the Colorado New Mexico border region where Dulce is located had become a significant uh-huh. hotspot for reports of cattle mutilations and UFO sightings, which then gave the Dulce base legend even more mystique. Also, as this started to become more and more popular, and ufologists started getting more and more into the story, then local residents started reporting unexplained sightings, but again, uh, all without conclusive evidence. I want to get in on this story. I've seen stuff. Talk to me, local resident Scott Nicewander. Yeah. And it got even further, it got even more credibility because people like the Hikaria Apache Nation, specifically under the uh, leadership of a guy named Ty Vicente, acknowledged these stories, but openly admitted that he acknowledged them to promote tourism because it has become a tourist destination as a result of this. And well, hold on, because that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily means that they aren't like you can promote tourism tourism to something that is true though mm-hmm. like i can promote tourism to the biggest ball of twine in minnesota that doesn't mean that there isn't the biggest ball of twine in minnesota it is there yes so aliens exist you hear what i'm saying i see where this is going yeah all right i just want to make sure you're following my logic here but what i will say is that it has promoted tourism in the town and even in 2016 hosted something called the dulce based ufo conference 
So it is. It it, it has gotten itself a bit of uh, of tourist money and built up the economy of of Dulce. And so the Hikaria okay. Pache Nation has uh, has sort of leaned into it in order to help out with their um, to help uh, grow the local economy. Speaking of which, Scott, do you want to help grow our podcast's local economy? Yeah, I would love to. How do we do that? Uh, usually by taking a tiny break for some products and or services. Ooh, I love those. All right, let's do it. Hey, we're back. We're back. Dulce. So so what's the truth about the claims about Dulce? About is this a secret underground base full of aliens? What's the sweet, sweet truth? You see what mm-hmm. I did there? So Thank you. it's primarily pushed by people like Paul Benowitz. Uh, the conspiracy is primarily rooted in the accounts of Paul Benowitz, uh, who's been discredited by the scientific community, mainly because of one thing that I neglected to mention throughout this so far. And that is that at a certain point in his life, Paul Benowitz was uh, diagnosed with a condition known as paranoid schizophrenia. Uh, and that's mm. where things get a little bit more complicated here. So paranoid schizophrenia is a subtype of schizophrenia that is primarily characterized Characterized by delusions and specifically suspicions that increase during the course of the illness. Um, okay. Paranoid schizophrenia would um, so it's a, it's a serious mental illness. It's probably say that like as far as mental illnesses go, it's probably considered one of the most serious ones that you can have. Yeah. And it can cause individuals to experience delusions and hallucinations. It can lead to distorted uh, perceptions of reality, and also it specifically causes an inability to have insight into your own mental state. You end up having uh, psychotic breaks, hallucinations, delusions, but also you're not aware that you're having them. Mm -hmm. Benowitz was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, and it probably is uh, like his whole, all of his claims about intercepting communications and such like that seem much more likely to be a result of him having psychotic breaks or delusions rather than actually intercepting alien communications. Because Mm, yeah. It uh, paranoid schizophrenia causes something called functional impairment, which affects a lot of different. It it, it, hurt, it damages a lot of their ability to do things, and it means that a lot of people who have paranoid schizophrenia uh, have trouble holding on to jobs and uh, getting things like uh, like disability compensation. Individuals with paranoid schizophrenia have a difficult time functioning in everyday life and struggle to maintain employment and social relationships, and so as a result of their delusions. So that's the main. That's the main part. Of like why these these claims these claims all come from one person who is diagnosed with an extremely serious mental illness that is specifically linked to having delusions and paranoia, which then got latched onto yeah. by the UFO community and taken seriously. And I'll get into why that's a problem later when I decide to make you sad. Great, love that. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm glad we're bringing back that section. Yeah. Somebody, I, I, when we were together, I, didn't you say that like either it was like Emily who said it was like uh, a yep. necessary part of the show? or something like that it was emily emily said it was it was that we should bring it back she was like that's a good part of the show the the part where tristan makes you sad <laughs> i'm glad emily is my my ally in this uh my, my my emily is very like seo like marketing branded and so she's like that is a part that's a that's a section of your podcast that's a that's a part you gotta you gotta capitalize on that okay i'll take it <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's not it's not that it's like important it's that it's buzzworthy or something uh i think it's both okay i'll but... take it you know what emily we're allies now we're in an alliance good i could use more allies as a queer person <laughs> thank you both <laughs> uh tristan finally decided to be an ally yeah just now <laughs> just just starting right now right until this moment i was the hugest homophobe on the planet but i decided to change my mind because Emily decided that my, I don't know, this is, this this is getting very strange. Um, anyways, um, there's another, another aspect also to this that, uh, makes the Dulce base, uh, myth a little bit more of a problem, which is that it's very similar to something called the Shaver mystery, which was a science fiction narrative that featured malevolent beings in spaceships. Um, it was a science fiction story from the mid 1940s about malevolent subterranean beings who pilot disc shaped spaceships. It was written by a guy named Richard S. Shaver, who rose to prominence in the science fiction world in the forties with stories about underground civilizations and ancient astronauts. Hey Tristan, we can't just, we can't just gloss over the fact that his name is Dick Shaver. Dick Shaver? Mm-hmm. Dick Shaver. Now, there's a guy who needs to be sponsored by uh, by Manscaped. <laughs> this guy. This guy brought to you by by uh, by Manscaped. Yep. Dick Shaver. <laughs> Man. 
I'm so sorry to everyone named Richard, but that is that is how I'm going to. I anytime I see a name Richard something, I will always check to see if it's funny to funnier to say it with Dick, whatever your last name is, or the inverse. One of my favorite jokes of all time was a comedian on Twitter or a comedian on TikTok by the name of uh, Violet who just said once, "Eat a bag of Richards." And I loved it so much <laughs> um, to the point where I, I think it to myself like a thousand times a day. Okay. That's really good. So so the Shaver mystery and the Dulce, Dulce myth uh, have subterranean beings who are believed to be working with humans on advanced technology and experience experiments. Great. They also okay. have underground tunnels and secret bases hidden from the public. They also have drawn heavy media attention and have been the subject of books, television shows, and conferences. And they're both, uh, you know, fiction, like both probably fiction because they're both like the same thing. <laughs> you know, can I say this? I don't, I've not mentioned superhero stuff in a while on this podcast. And I feel like I have been slacking a little bit. They're, the MCU currently is is in this sort of like limbo state of will that you know what are they going to do with the Fantastic Four? There's really been no announcements here and there, and I've always been pretty firm that I think it should be like a period piece set in like the '60s or or wherever. Just in the past, uh, all about not Doctor Doom, but the but Mole Man and the and the underground, the subterranean people that 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 he commands, mm-hmm. and like this this feels like they've already done Eternals, which is based basically ancient alien it's ancient astronaut theory right eternals is literally just inspired by it, right it's literally inspired by chariots of the gods and it's like if they're gonna just do that let's let's go all out and just have let's take this underground caverns subterranean civilizations and things like that put some put a little fantastic four in there uh and you've got a fun little period piece sci-fi thriller i think i'm just saying it could work that's my piece everyone send that to kevin, kevin feige do this mm-hmm. scott says so do you think that kevin, kevin feige that. has seen one nerd sync video no what if he had i don't think he has uh, there are other directors and stuff who definitely watch youtube i don't not my stuff kevin's a producer i don't think he cares uh what other people think I think he's just like, I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to do whatever makes money. I don't even, I don't know if he actually even likes comic books. (laughs) I think he likes comic books. I think, I don't know. I met him once very briefly. Oh yeah. Um, How'd that go? Very, I mean like literally five seconds where we passed each other and I was like, oh, hey, this was like back in 2015. I was just like, you're doing great. At the time he was MCU 2015. Good stuff. Top of its game. Yeah. That was like when Civil War just came out. I was like, this is good stuff. I like it. It's good. Anyway, that's all. And he just said thanks. That's the only interaction we had. <laughs> so. All right. Do you want to do you want to have another conversation with him now that he did that interview where he was like, we we didn't realize that television shows require writers. Yeah, <laughs> now I've got some notes, Kevin. <laughs> I actually do have a lot of notes about how you're running things more so than I did uh, like eight years ago. Um, you gotta, I don't know, man, maybe you need, maybe you gotta just put people in charge of TV shows, have people run a show, maybe like a, like a, like a showrunner, perhaps that'd be wild. I have a theory. And that is that maybe the thing that makes comic books great, isn't that they're a bunch, uh, just a bunch of flashy special effects reels, but also that they have writers that have things they want to do. Whoa. And Whoa. it might be that <laughs> okay, you should s- slow down. <laughs> maybe that maybe, maybe uh, movies should be more than uh, a bunch of special effects, uh, special effects driven scenes uh, with some brief narrative connective tissue and some tie-ins to future franchises. Maybe there's more no, to movies than that. <laughs> no, I think movies are a way to try out new technologies that will make it in the long run cheaper to make movies. I think that's what it did. Speaking of which, SAG-AFTRA just uh, just uh, got a deal. Woo! So good job. Yeah. Good job, strikes. Good job, strikes and unions. We love it. There's a Let's lot, get there's back a lot on of topic. like labor politics in this episode. Randomly, we talked about Starbucks there and is. this and yeah. Um, okay, so the other thing too is that um, so so there's a lot of uh, similarities between the Dulce base tales and this science fiction story from the 40s. 
which is yeah. uh, interesting. Furthermore, uh, the Dulce myth uh, has had itself perpetuated over time by the people who live in Dulce because it's a tourist destination and got and also gets a lot of clicks in the media. So yeah, uh, ufologists and conspiracy theorists visit the town to investigate the claims of this base. There's also an annual Dulce base UFO conference, although it seems like the last one that ever happened was in 2016. And mm-hmm. uh, it has been the subject of books, television shows and documentaries that get more and more attention to the area and bring in more tourism. It's also been linked to other claims of the paranormal. Uh, Dulce also has a significant like Bigfoot population, and there's like a lot of like our Bigfoot sighting. Like I was thing. gonna hold on. I was gonna say hold on. <laughs> they have that's where all the Bigfoots are. Bigfoot yeah. population. That's where they all are. Yeah. No, there's like a there, like <laughs> a, a side thing is that also Dulce is a place where there's like other types of paranormal uh, stuff. Like um, a lot of Bigfoot people are also in a Dulce. Gotcha. And some people have also uh, pointed out that like maybe believing in this is like there's actually a little bit of controversy in the community of Dulce because some are like, hey, this brings in tourism and it's great. But also it also is like, you know, it's not extremely real. And so like, you know, I imagine that the people of Dulce, especially the indigenous nation that lives there are like, is it cool that we're like, you know, embracing this crankeries and bringing a bunch of weird tourists into town because it, you know, it it, it brings money in. And well, I think I. I think what makes it especially tricky is is what you were talking about earlier and I think we'll we'll probably get into it here shortly but it feels like capitalizing off of the paranoia of someone who has or had severe mental health yeah, he issues. He passed away in the early 2000s Benowitz so yeah, yeah. that's another thing. Um, the lore also has been uh, dumped into a broader context of conspiracy theories and pseudoscience. Um, it got a lot of media attention, and so it's been integrated into the UFO lore. Uh, people who are in deep in the UFO circles have heard of Dulce before, and mm-hmm. and yeah, um, it's it's just like a sort of fabric of unproven assertions. And uh, again, this is where the big problem comes in is that, and this is the part that I kind of got mad about it. So the Dulce myth is big in UFO circles and it got picked up by people who use it for stories. But again, it all comes back to Paul Benowitz's story. And the big thing that really kind of got me angry is that belief in conspiracy theories that have their sources that are come from things like the delusions of people suffering from something like paranoid schizophrenia can be extremely harmful to people who have mental health issues and for having an empathic understanding of these conditions. It can be a, uh, so a lot of times like schizophrenia is a, like one of the symptoms of schizophrenia is delusional thinking. Uh, Believing in conspiracy theories reinforces that delusional thinking and makes it more difficult for individuals who have the condition to distinguish between reality and their delusions, which you can imagine this thing that they basically struggle with their whole lives. Yeah. Individuals with schiz... It also, um, buying into these conspiracy uh, communities also means that individuals who have paranoid schizophrenia don't typically seek medical treatment, not acknowledging that they have a condition and taking medication that can help with it or, or, mm. or having therapy that can help with it or a combination. Sure. Uh, yeah. It also reinforces feelings of anxiety, distrust, and feeling of losing control. Uh, it can lead to a cycle of negative thinking and exacerbate the symptoms of paranoid schizophrenia. And it can, yeah, it, it also will further isolate them. Believing in conspiracy theories, as we've seen with like QAnon and such, it alienates you from the regular people in your life and tends to make you more isolated and confused and lonely, which yeah. then creates a decreased quality of life. And again, if you have a condition like paranoid schizophrenia, being left alone can really exacerbate your symptoms oh, because you have no yeah, I, I person only, to keep you in check. I can only imagine. Yeah, that would that would make it feel like it would make it worse. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, I'm trying to like put it in here because I wanted to make sure that it is this is done. Like, imagine a condition where you constantly have to second guess whether or not what you are seeing or hearing is real. And furthermore, your brain is uh, is has a predilection towards seeing conspiracies in everything. And you have to constantly Mm -hmm. be checking yourself to make sure that it's not hallucinations. It's not, uh, you're not seeing things. You're not, it's not a conspiracy. It's, it's just life. Like I, 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 I've been, I've been debunking conspiracy theories on the internet for over 10 years now. And I have seen some, I've gotten very, very sad uh, comments where like, I would get a comment from somebody. I got a really long comment once that claimed that because my name Tristan that I had this like whole thing tied back to the uh to King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table which meant that I was obviously a Templar and like you know into this like great big worldview um. 
And then I checked out his YouTube channel and it was uh, very into a concept called gang stalking, which is a thing you might hear about on the internet, which is like sort of online community that is primarily people suffering from paranoid schizophrenia because it's like this concept that they're being stalked by people, but they're be- but because it's not one person following them, they're being stalked by a gang of people. Uh, and so like this guy had like videos of him like going out and filming cars and stuff like that to try and keep things. And I'm just like, this person's life is extremely tragic. and. If you don't have a support network or you get the treatment for for these conditions, you can imagine that this will ruin your life. And then imagine taking that and turning someone's experiences with with that sort of condition into a tourist trap or just like or yeah yeah, just buying into like you imagine like legitimizing the delusions and like that could further uh, prevent people from seeking therapy or getting the help they need furthermore i would also argue on the other angle is that um as like this story gets exposed one of the things that i was primarily worried about when i realized that that was going to be the that was the discovery that was the crux of this um this episode was that again uh and the media and you know a lot of portrayals of people with paranoid schizophrenia do this, which is that we further stereotype and stigmatize people who have not only paranoid schizophrenia, but other mental health issues, especially ones that have delusions as part of them. Mm. And I think that like this results uh, that like, like, for example, I, I, I worried that by like, you know, talking about this subject that we would be in a situation where we're reinforcing the idea that people with mental health issues might not be capable of making rational thinking or that they can't be trusted. And I think that I want to make sure that like like there's probably given just sheer numbers there's like a non-zero amount of people who have paranoid schizophrenia who listen to this podcast and i wanted to reinforce that paranoid schizophrenia is a very serious condition and they are definitely aware of that yes. and that uh, but it is like you can still have a very like rich and fulfilling life as long as you make sure yeah. to like take care of your treatment and and keep your support network going and uh, and, and when this kind of stuff happens, it's very easy for us to dis like to to use that as a way to dismiss people with schizophrenia. And they're like, you know, like these are real people. They're suffering from very real problems. And I think that it's important that we don't use this as a condemnation of people with the condition overall, even though yeah. it is definitely a uh, a very real reason why we should not just buy into this Dulce myth. But also at the same time, like I think that Benowitz might have been like I think it was it was cruel for the UFO community to take uh, somebody's like private uh, psychological crisis and turn it into a uh, part of this overall narrative that they're trying to build and conspiracy communities yeah. are rife with this because as you can imagine conspiracy communities and uh, people who suffer from delusions like mental illnesses that come with delusions are fairly high overlaps and uh this part it, it, it's it's very much like we we haven't talked about on this show yet about how conspiracy communities especially in like ufo spaces like just do that to I I do like draw in people with these conditions and typically push them away from the treatment that they need. Yeah. Well, and it's tricky too because, like, we're it's it's it feels like we're trying to balance two things, right? On one hand, you don't want to fully jump in and believe and support and and further exacerbate exacerbate these, you know, any sort of paranoia and delusions and things. But on the other hand, like you were saying, we you don't want to immediately dismiss someone just because they have. Uh, a condition like schizophrenia and, and say that everything that they see and believe is not real. And so it's, it's, it's one of those, it's like a tricky sort of balance where like, I have a good example. I have a good, I have a good example yeah. for, for yeah, more, a more common here. mental condition. So I yeah. used to like, there's a lot of people out there who have depression and anxiety. I think to, like almost a quarter of people have depression. I think uh, anxiety yes. also way more common and at least half of the people on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. And you can tell, that like I definitely I don't have depression but I do tend to get anxiety from time to time oh I got both maybe and you can so you can understand then if that that somebody who cares about you would Mm -hmm. not just believe on the surface when you say things especially things about yourself that come from those periods like you know that if you are close to somebody with anxiety or with depression that they are prone to having thought processes that are not based in reality and it's your job really to help ground them and bring them back from that place. And Paul Benowitz, it seems, did not have somebody to pull him back from that place. 
And furthermore, it, so it would be like if you have depression and use like, you know, I'm worthless. Everything I do is terrible. And then somebody from another community comes in and is like, you are worthless. You are terrible. And you can yeah. imagine just how damaging that could be to somebody who is struggling with like depression or anxiety. But instead, if their condition is not depression or anxiety, but the fact that they have like literally like hallucinations and yeah. And see malicious intent behind uh, everything that that could be way, way worse. Yeah, that makes that makes perfect sense to me as a person who, you know, we talked about it in a couple a couple weeks back where all of my technology started dying, my camera, my computer. I was in one of the worst spots of my uh, of my recent life uh, mentally. And uh, yeah, if I didn't have a support system of friends and my wife and even my family reaching out to me to make sure that that I was okay if I didn't have that I would be in a I I don't know how I would have you know gone through that without all those people trying to trying to help me and pull me up and and uh make sure that my self-talk wasn't as bad as I was I was Mm -hmm. making it uh out to be so I think that's a really good example yeah it's it's and as somebody who has uh an xy chromosome and somebody who is left-handed and somebody who Mm -hmm. has uh ADHD I had many of the risk factors for schizophrenia and Mm -hmm. um I didn't know left-handed was a part of it. The, these are all correlational, but it, it, it gotcha. just schizophrenia is very much like it's like a like it's like a, a problem with like the it's architecture of your brain. Yeah. Like it's very um, gotcha. It's very it's physical in a lot of ways, and so uh, and a lot of those are signs that your brain isn't wired normally like everybody else's. Yeah. So those can all be risk factors. Luckily, nobody in my family has it, and uh, symptoms tend to show up when you're in your early twenties. So uh, that hasn't happened. So I'm lucky on that front. But well, you're still young. You're still in your 20s. Uh, it could happen. I mean, we just got to keep out for it. You're, you're, you have a birthday coming up. What are you going to be? 22? As the, as this releases, uh, my birthday was a couple weeks ago and I am 45. Yeah. Fair enough. So, but yeah, like going back, like this not only would hurt the people who are having their delusions legitimized rather than, you know, brought back from them. Uh, but furthermore, it then spreads this idea, like as these stories get like unearthed and, you know, uh, debunked, it then builds this whole stigmatization against people who have this condition, which I think uh, makes things even worse because I think like even to this day, like I think that when I bring up the term paranoid schizophrenia, like yeah. it, 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 even without even unconsciously brings up all sorts of illusions and thought processes like there's always the idea that people with paranoid schizophrenia commit like you know do like horrible crimes when they're more they're more likely to be the victim of abuse and crimes oh, yeah. than actually committing them and like all sorts of things like there's a lot of talk about this is the other thing too that i also want to bring up is just like we talk a lot about mental illness in our current like you know uh like like we're very aware of mental illness these days but very often uh, yes. It's about the more common conditions, things like depression and anxiety that like, again, like a quarter of people have. Uh, but uh, I feel like it, 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 we don't like like maybe we need to have more awareness that there are people with mental uh, illnesses that are that are more serious and that can be very debilitating and uh, very often like require like some people with very advanced cases of paranoid schizophrenia might need like lifelong institutionalization or might not be able to live on their own. And that kind of support is not. uh, like the amount of awareness campaigns doesn't do much when like they can't get like antipsychotic drugs or (laughs) or or you know um like like psychotherapy that like you know beyond just like seeing a therapist once a week but like you know going to like uh, an institution or to like you know have like regular daily things to keep you to keep you on 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 on, uh i was about to say on brand drugs Tristan is saying free, free drugs, drugs for everyone. Look, I have my ADHD medication is so expensive and that's just ADHD, a thing that I've been dealing with my entire life without medication with uh, unknowingly. Uh, I can only imagine uh, the, the sort of drug treatment for something like this and even just therapy in, in general as well on top of everything. It's all expensive. Mm-hmm. And if you need something Come like on. Thorazine, I can't even imagine how expensive something like that would be. It's too much. We can't get it's. Yeah. Free drugs. Yeah. Free drugs, free therapy, free healthcare? What? Wouldn't that be nice? A lot of political talk on this yeah. episode. So weird. Free what's it called? Free drugs, Canada. Get on that shit. Free drugs. Free dental. Let's let's make it work. One place where you can get free drugs is no um, if you <laughs> you've successfully I was gonna say, I think you have successfully brought back 
the part where Tristan makes you sad, and also kind of like a, a the part where Tristan makes you mad a little bit. Tristan makes you mad, sad, and radicalizes you. And rad. Yeah. <laughs> mad, sad, and rad. As in rad stands for radical. Yep. Hell yeah. Um, and if you if you are rad, if you are rad Chad, uh, if you're a sad, mad, rad Chad, you can go follow us at Probs Not Aliens on Twitter and Blue Sky. Yeah. And Tristan's looking up a blue sky code for you, I imagine. Yep. I, We're giving away blue sky codes. I, I, I reset my uh I reset my cookies so I have to re-log in. That's okay. I bet I have one. I'm gonna uh, Tristan, shut up. I'm gonna do the code this week. You've been giving out so many free codes. Everyone likes you more than they like me. So here's my free blue sky code. That is not true. Free to a good home. B-S-K-Y dash social dash M Z Q M X dash S P N seven three. First come, first serve. Join us on Blue Sky and uh, tag us to let you know, to let us know that you joined. Tristan, Mm -hmm. you do other stuff online that makes people sad, mad, rad chads. Yeah, theoretically. Um, Yeah, I may have a channel called Step Back where I talk about history and why the past is important for understanding the world that we live in. Uh, If this is coming out on the day that I think it is, then the video that should be the most recent will be on the land back movement and why land back is good, which is very apropos. And we're talking about indigenous nations here a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Scott, it's also December now. And if I wanted to know about a time where Batman sang silent night, do it. Where would I go? I knew that was going to happen. You you Um, knew Batman silent night specifically. I, as soon as you said it's December, I was like, I know exactly which one he's doing. Um, that's an old video of mine. Tristan, Tristan loves this little goof and gaff where he pulls up really old videos of mine, but that's okay. It, that, I think that one was a fun one. Uh, and you get to see my great Christmas sweater that I've had for so many years now. That's my, on my YouTube channel, NerdSync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. It's all one word. Mm-hmm. You know that already. You make all the time. I you make just videos made about comics. Yeah, I made videos about comics and superheroes and cartoons. And I've done a couple video game ones. I just did one recently. I mean, hopefully I've done more by the time this comes out. But I've done one about why the Scooby-Doo... Uh, I, I played through Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed to try and solve a mystery that has been haunting me for 20 years. And judging that you're 21 years old. Uh, yeah, I, it's been it's been haunting me since I was a, a little babe. A, a small little babe. And I'm definitely not 31 years old. And you know what else, Tristan? Both of our videos and stuff are on Nebula as well as this podcast, which you can find at nebula.tv slash probably not aliens. You can also listen to uh, episodes a week early over there. We're back at it, baby. Yeah. Which is Scott's, very exciting. Scott's setup is back in action and he's like ripping and roaring. I'm ripping and roaring. I edited two podcasts yesterday. We're back going. So thank you for Tristan for filling in for the past like month and a half. I appreciate it. Um, thank you to everyone who writes reviews of this show on Apple Podcasts and leaves feedback on Spotify. Those always make me really happy. I get notifications anytime someone reply does something on Spotify. I get emails about it. It's very fun. And uh, make sure you tell your friends about the show. That's how we grow. We're And we're growing, baby. And it's because of you. And a great place to send your friends is a very simple website, probsnotaliens.com. It's got links to everything. In fact, the only thing it doesn't have right now is links to our blue sky accounts which we should probably do so people can follow Mm -hmm. us i'll i'll try to remember to set that up but either way that's it so until next time my name is scott nicewander i'm tristan johnson and the truth is out there probably I say that was sweet. Oh, that was dulce. <laughs> that was dulce. That was dulce de leche. Yummy, yummy.